an Empire Boxing and Unlearning Network production. Welcome everyone to another episode of Empire Boxing's podcast. Today is an extremely special episode for a number of reasons. One, I have a friend of mine uh, on that uh, most of you are probably just starting to see his face uh, coming into the limelight. Uh, so I, I think we're, you know, your career has been really exciting and I, I've obviously been following you since we met, but uh, I think a lot of people now are going to start to know your face. Uh, very closely. So we're going to dive into that. Um, everyone, this is Taylor Ramsdale. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. And what makes this so special too is that, um, you know, we've, we've done a lot of fighters, we've done their coaches, but Taylor is a strength and conditioning coach. Um, and when we first met at the Muscle Farm Gym, mm -hmm. um, correct me if I'm wrong, you were mostly coaching mixed martial artists. Um, at that time, perhaps, but I started mixed MMA and boxing right around the same time. I started training MMA fighters. Um, my first fighters were in like 2009 and like it, okay. maybe towards the end of 2009 and it was early 2010, maybe even late 2009 that I started training boxing too. So it's basically around the okay, same cool. time. It's just the first people that came and started working with me were MMA. Wicked. Now I, I have so many questions sure. and I want people to, I want people to know you and I want people to know what you do. Um, but I think it's, I think it's really cool to note that, you know, um, you guys just had a major victory on your team and Taylor, it happens to be Dimitri Bivol's strength and conditioning coach. Um, and we just had a massive defeat. I say we, as if I'm part of you're the team. You are part of the team. Let's go. In. Yeah. You're, you're, you're on. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Against Canelo Alvarez. Mm -hmm. And that was just like, it was incredible to see. And, and, uh, you know, I think the most important thing for me, you know, being a, I would say a nerd, a little bit of a nerd in, in like the SSC world is peak performance mm -hmm. at the highest level, taking mm -hmm. someone from 80% to 90%, 90% to a hundred percent, like within the top 5%, that's not by accident. Mm -hmm. That's not random fitness ideas the things you saw on in the internet right. there is a serious science and system behind that and when i've been talking to some of their you know our, our up-and-coming athletes and their coaching and 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 just kind of testing the waters of what they're practicing in their camps mm -hmm. it's interesting for people i think to note the difference between staying fit mm -hmm. and getting results at a at a, a lower level and up-and-coming level right. and then what it takes to be in the top five percent in the world yeah. And that is the most fascinating part of this for me. And I think that you're just going to blow people's minds. So I'm, I'm super excited to chat with you. Well, All I, that I, to say. I hope not to disappoint. Hell yeah. No, 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 not at all. So um, let's let's start with your, you know, your super superhero origin story. Okay. Talk to us about, you know, where were you born? When did you first get into S&C or like how that evolved in your mm -hmm. own personal okay. life? Okay. So born and raised in Springfield, Missouri. Um, as far as training, we'll just, we'll just jump to whenever I became a trainer. I first got certified in, gosh, 2003. In 2003, mm -hmm. I was going to Arizona state in school and it was just kind of a, it was just a job. It was just kind of a fun job. I went to the gym a lot. I was always in sports growing up. And so I just kind of knew that and I helped people out with workouts and stuff. I was like, well, I might as well get paid for it. So I got it as a part-time job and that's how I treated it. And then I always was kind of making a little bit of noise in the gym, doing things kind of, I don't want to say outside the box, but just doing things a little bit differently. And everybody was always like, oh, you should open a gym. You should open a gym, blah, blah, blah. And I never wanted to take 
what I was doing just for fun and make it into a real job. You know what I mean? Like I didn't want to make it work. So I was always a trainer. I was a trainer. I graduated school. I was a trainer. I started law school for a little bit. I'd always go back to being a trainer. And it wasn't until I moved to LA in 2009 that I really became a full-time, I opened a gym and I became a full-time trainer. And the reason why I finally did that is I started thinking, well, why not, why not do something that I love and have fun and why not make it work? You know, so I just kind of shifted my way of thinking and that's whenever, so I trained, you know, general population, I mean, some athletes here and there. Um, But then when I moved to LA in 2009, that's when I started training the fighters and that just came through a friend of mine actually owned a fight gym or he had a fight team. He wanted me to start working with some of his people. So he sent them to me. Mm-hmm. They did a really good job. They started seeing success. Then I got a boxer. He saw a lot of success. Uh, manager saw it and it was just the snowball and just kept going. And that was since 2009. So from 2003 to 2009, it was kind of like a part-time thing here and there that I was go back to. Mm-hmm. And then from 2009 to now, it's all day, every day. Right. And then when you were, when you were kind of younger, you said you're growing up yeah. in sports, like as soon as you were, you know, like a, a young man, were you like, man, okay, I can lift weights. And were you into like trying out different strength programs and using your body as sort of a, a tool of experiment? Like I know that general, generally that's kind of how it starts. Yeah. Like what was your experience as a, as a young guy kind of growing so, up learning your body? And yeah. Sports? So my experience growing up was I got into the gym because I was a really small guy. Like I was really little. I was in sports. And I was always the littler guy, but I was always very aggressive. And um, I would go lift weights as I wanted to get bigger. Like in high school, I used to eat two peanut butter and jelly sandwiches every night before bed because I wanted to gain weight. And I just couldn't. So then my – and then – The good old Oh, days. my God. Yeah, now if I did that, like I'm, – but I'm 41 years old. But so um, what happened with my – like being in the gym, actually my freshman year, I was in all sports, and then I was a very competitive soccer player. We traveled the country. We went all over the place. It was a big deal. My age group where I was from, we had a lot of incredible talent. Uh, One of my close friends went on to the MLS. He's captain of the Portland Timbers. They won the the MLS Cup, all this stuff. So like we had a lot of talent. So at my high school, going from my freshman to sophomore year, a lot of the guys that I grew up with, friends and stuff, they were going to play varsity. The coach told my parents or told me or something that I was too small to play varsity. So me, I had a chip on my shoulder. I quit playing soccer. I started playing mm. football. And so that's just kind of the way. So then whenever I got into football, like I really started lifting weights and tried because I really wanted to put on size. So I, I saw what can happen mm. in the gym if you work hard and do it. Cause I went from the, the pants not fitting me my sophomore year. And also like I was a late bloomer, but so my sophomore year, I started playing football, didn't know anything, what I was doing. Like my mom bought me some book from like mm. Barnes and Noble, like how to play football. And it was like pictures. Yeah. I mean, it was just embarrassing to me. I and I look back, I was like, that's fucking awesome. Um, right. Oh, Football yeah, no, literally, but it was like yeah. a seventies, like nineteen seventies book, and like they're like blocking like this, and it's just not how you're supposed to do it. But so that's I knew nothing. Thanks, Mom. yeah, exactly. And then by my senior year, I was captain of the team. I went on to play Division One AA, but I ended up quitting because football and doing stuff of any seriousness at that time in my life, I really was more into sex, drugs, and rock and roll. So I did that in Arizona. Mm. So I quit playing sports, moved to Arizona learned how not to live, but still graduated. And that's when I actually became a trainer. <laughs> and that's a whole other story. That's a whole like, other yeah. podcast. But yeah, yeah. I just, I just yeah, skipped yeah. over that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! 
I want to I want to start another whole podcast that's just called Bad Decisions and like how not to yeah, die or exactly. something. Exactly. Yeah, I could pull I've it up. <laughs> oh man, I feel like we wouldn't have a shortage of guests on Bad Decisions <laughs> and how not to die. Um, wicked. Okay, so you ended up kind of dabbling in the strength mm-hmm. world because you had you had you know feedback that you were too small to play yep. sports, and then what at that time was your biggest inspiration for lifting? Like, what were you, was there, apart from that book that your mom gave us, shut up, yeah. mom. Um, apart from that, what was your, your biggest inspiration at the time? As just, I just wanted to get bigger. I just wanted to be, I just wanted yeah. to, I just wanted to get bigger. That was it literally. And, and honestly, like I got stronger and I grew, but I've never, I was never a big guy. Like I just, it was, it was more building confidence. And like learning what I can do, right. you know what I mean? And, and it was the, the building of the confidence that I felt I got the most out of from going to the gym. Mm. When you started training uh, some of these, these yeah. athletes, these MMA, you know, fighters and, you know, mm. boxers, transitioning from gen pop into performance mm-hmm. That's a pretty serious transition. Yeah. Uh, so what did you do at the time oh, to sort of elevate your Okay, game? so at the time, <laughs> like I'm, I'm really honest. At the time, like I was in strength and conditioning, basically the very like beginning with the boxing. Like the when I came into mm-hmm. boxing, there wasn't that many strength and conditioning coaches. So you kind of come in, it was kind of frowned upon like, oh, another one of these guys. Like I've had 20 world champions, mm-hmm. never had strength and conditioning. So I kind of didn't have to like, prove my worth, but I just worked with the guys. They continued to do well in that group. But what I did was one of my guys, Victor Henry, who's actually in the UFC now. Um, every time I see him now, I'm like, the only thing we didn't do to you is catch you on fire. Like, because like I did, I mean, all this stuff back in the day, I, I've learned everything to do right from doing everything wrong. I mean, I did the gas mask mm. training because back in the day, it was like for MMA strength and conditioning, it was basically just a really fucking hard circuit. Like, you know, like you would do one thing yeah. and then you jumped into the thing. And it was all like sport specific meant that it looked like a fight, but that's not right. Like that's mm. not how, that's not yeah. how it should be. You know, and there are still some that do it out totally. there and that's fine, but it's just bad for your body. So that was like the beginning of it. So I learned to kind of answer your question, the way that I transitioned to it was I just started experimenting. I read a lot of books. I researched it, you know, and I, I saw what the other people were doing. I just, I studied the body. I studied the sport. And then I did a bunch of stuff. I mean, they did great. I mean, he performed very well. He continued mm-hmm. to win or whatever, you know, but from that, mm-hmm. I was able to kind of funnel in the stuff that works and get rid of the stuff that doesn't work, you know, and that was right. 10, 11, God, I'm old, 13, 14 years ago. So the amount that I've grown as far as knowledge is tremendous. And I know that I still have so much more to learn. Like every camp we're learning, every camp. We're right. Learning. Yeah. And, and so some of those early guys really ended up being like the guinea pigs for you holding your, like honing your, Kinda, yeah. your yeah. practice. Um, so great. I love this. So um, your first MMA yep. camp uh, in the UFC, mm-hmm. were you nervous? Or had you kind of figured out your strategy by then? No, um, it's never, uh, I don't want to say nervous. I mean, there is, there, there's like that, that little bit of, I mean, you talk about like being in a zone, like if you're just completely like Joe cool. It's too much. If you're really nervous, it's too much. Like it's kind of in between there. So mm-hmm. it's like a, a positive excitement, like a good feeling to make sure that you're always performing at your best because when you're training somebody, you're also performing because you had to get them to do the next thing or you make sure that everything is run correctly. But as far as being nervous, I mean, watching 
my guys fight. Like I'm very confident in what they're going to do, but that's, it's always hard to watch, you know, mm-hmm. because it's like, you're, you're completely mm-hmm. out of control. We, we say team, this team, that when the, when they get in the ring or when the cage door closes, whether it's MMA or boxing, they're in there. They, they, it's them. It's, it's them and the opponent, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And now we're here just to, mm-hmm. for verbal support, verbal coaching, emotional support, whatever it may be, but you're just completely out of control. Mm-hmm. So it's like everything we've done, if we've done the work, hopefully it all works out. And so that can be nerve wracking. Yeah. But as far as the camp and all that stuff, no, not not at all. Um, because I think also a lot of trainers, like I, I just go from, I mean, I always have a plan. There's always a plan. But from mm-hmm. that plan, like I've never had a camp go exactly according to plan. Never, I don't even know if I've ever had a session go exactly according to plan. And that's something like, yeah. if new trainers or old trainers or whatever listening to learn is like, if you have, if you're, I call them clipboard trainer, if you're a clipboard trainer and it's here mm. right here, that's fine. Carry a clipboard, but be able to change that. You know what I mean? Like if I have a full mm-hmm. day where we're going to do contrast trainers or some explosive work or whatever, and you mentioned uh, Dimitri Bevel and he comes in and he looks tired that day. Like, guess what we're not going to do? We're not going to mm-hmm. do anything that I had planned. We might just yeah. stretch and that's okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, yeah. To answer your question, I just went on a bunch of tangents, but to answer your question, for camp, no, never, never nervous just because I know what I'm doing, you know, and and, and I believe in what yeah. I'm doing and I know that adjustments can be made as we go. So even yeah. if we do something like that didn't work, I know we can change it. Mm-hmm. And I think like adaptability is, is a huge part yes. of that too. And your athletes doing it as much as you are. And there's a really interesting, like what you just said was really interesting. You know, he comes in looking some kind of way, like that's what the gen pop doesn't understand. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they are, I think, you know, no, no yeah. pay, no gain, no days off, yeah. no quit. Blah, blah, blah. Like it's like, there's actually phases to this and each phase is meant to achieve something. And we're dealing with, especially yeah. at a high level, like it's a game of recoveries. <laughs> Who's recovering better? Whose nervous system, like whose CNS isn't yeah, fucking yeah. fried off? And, you know, whose systems and processes are working, yeah. you know, as they as they should. But that's a game of adaptability. And sometimes, you know, your athlete's going to walk in the yeah. gym and you're like, mm, yeah, the, nah. the only workouts, the only <laughs> workouts you can get any progress from are the ones you can recover from, you know? Absolutely. And do you sort of, so do you abide by that sort of 70, 70% rule? Like most of your, most of your athletes training is kind of done in that 70 to 75% intensity with like, Oh, pieces, I see what you're saying. I, you know, I mean, in. yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't go by like the exact numbers. I mean, they, they used to call it like PRE, like perceived rate of exertion. It's just, if you know your athlete, you know, mm-hmm. you know, like I used, I used to do yeah. a lot of heart rate monitoring and things. And I look exactly, but now like I get a feel for it. Like talk to them between rounds, see how their recovery is. And right. um, that's, that's just from years of doing it. Um, if I find that if I'm hitting, if I'm missing the mark, then yeah, then I'll, I'll hone it in on that stuff. You know what I mean? Because like I said, we're, we're always learning. We're always, like you said, mm-hmm. adapting and that's in each camp. Um, what was the other thought I had when you were talking about um, the 70, 30? I don't know. It'll, it'll come back to me. It'll come back to me. Mm-hmm. It, it really comes down to like maximum recoverable yeah. volume, right? It's just like, what can the athlete handle? What is the maximum amount of training mm-hmm. they can handle and recover oh. so that you can get the results? And that was it too. Right now, um, I worked with Cecilia Brockus a little bit, the, the female boxer. She was the first undisputed champion in female boxing. And she just started camping Big mm-hmm. Bear. And I just talked to her today and she was traveling a lot. And like what I told her a lot of times, it's always like, go hard, whatever, like, my thing to her was after traveling, like, make sure that you allow yourself enough rest. 
for the camp because she's doing great. She's a, she's in peak condition. She's doing excellent. Make sure mm-hmm. that after traveling, you mm-hmm. you rest. And most coaches are like, go go go. Not most coaches, but like you said, the gym pop. Like it's all like go hard. A lot of it for my guys, mm-hmm. like for the pros, people assume that everything is like kill kill kill. A lot of times it's not. You know, a lot of people ask me like, how much do they run? Mm-hmm. And like a little bit. And it depends on the fighter. It depends on the person. Some fighters are runners. Mm-hmm. Some aren't. You know, some run a couple miles. Well, and it depends on the yeah. It depends yeah. on the weight yeah. class yeah. too, what? right? The person, and, and, really, because and also the the boxing coach yeah. too, because sometimes sprints can be sprints outside by running. Sprints can be sprints on a heavy bag. You know, it all depends on kind of how the way the camp is run. Totally, and and the adaptability to injuries too, because if if it's like lactic capacity that we're after, like running on the on a like sprinting up a hill or on the track is not yeah. the only way to achieve that. You know, like that could yep. be a salt bike, that could be you know rower. You know, like you mm. said, a heavy bag sprint. So what I would love if you're if you're cool, kind of like giving us a little bit of the the Taylor secret sauce sure. is walk us through like you know even you you don't even have to like go into super details of like specific athletes but walk us through like eight weeks like do you usually do like eight weeks 12 weeks walk us through what a camp looks like well, first of all there's really no i mean secret sauce what's the saying like everybody if you have the same recipe it's going to be different what's the what's the saying so, uh, like, 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 yeah i mean the the, the recipe yeah, yeah, yeah. is you know train hard train smart um uh, but as far as the, the the how long a camp is that also depends because fighting is a business so sometimes you might have seven, eight weeks. Sometimes you might have four. Sometimes you, so it all depends on mm. how the business is going, where the person is at. I've had people, I've had fighters come in and we've had fight camps and then I've had other fighters come in. I'm like, this isn't a fight camp. This is just fat camp. Like you haven't been training. We have two weeks. All you're doing is losing yeah. weight. You know what I mean? So, so there's difference, but yeah. in a perfect world, like I would like to be working with somebody year round. Um, and then the difference whenever camp starts, it's more so adjusting the focus um, and the way that I do the training. So my secret sauce, let's use, we can just Dimitri people. We'll, we'll talk about his camp and there no, there's no big secrets. Yeah. So for him, like, so okay. Monday, Wednesday, Friday are kind of like the heavy days. Cause Monday, Wednesday, Friday, he spars and he works with me as well. Um, Mondays and Wednesdays, we do more strength type training but the way that i do my training because you only have so much time so you have to be efficient you have to reduce the amount of risk as far as injuries go and all of this so i do a lot of both contrast training and then over speed training so with contrast training you are working both so okay so power equals force times velocity okay so there's three there's power there's force there's velocity Mm -hmm. If you increase any one of them, you're increasing the whole formula for power. Because everybody's like, how do you train for power? First of all, the best way to train for power is if you're born with it. But then if you're not and you're, and you're, you're training with it. <laughs> so the way you can train these things is like force is strength training. is whenever you're pushing against gravity. And in whatever way you're producing force, that is going to increase power because it's part of that formula. Velocity is one thing that a lot of people – might miss the bar on because that's the speed aspect. So a good example, like a perfect scenario for velocity training would be doing a sprint downhill. Uh, What happens if you sprint downhill? You're going to bust your ass. You know what I mean? So you can't sprint downhill. So there are ways that, um, what's something that everybody has seen, uh, like band assisted jumps. So where you're holding the band and you're springing way up in the sky. So that would be 
working the velocity thing. So the camp. Monday and Wednesday is more of that stuff. The strength, resting in between, mm-hmm. we're building muscle. Then Fridays, we usually do a little bit of sprinting at the end. It's kind of a sprint day. Um, but even then, it's, it's short. Um, as you get closer mm-hmm. to the fight, uh, trying to think of easy ways to explain it. So think of the volume in the beginning is really high and the intensity is low. And then as you get closer and closer to the fight, it's kind of the intensity increases and the volume gets smaller. So right before the end, it's like we're at the highest intensity, but the lowest volume. And the lowest volume can be duration mm-hmm. of a session or it may be just the amount of work that you do. So those are Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, Tuesday, usually boxing with the coach. Thursday is kind of a light, easy day. It feels like running, maybe a jog, maybe a walk, maybe not. Saturday is a longer run. Um, and that's it. That's it. There, there's not, you know, and, the, and that's, that's the formula that has, that many people use. Um, a lot of boxing is three days a week. Mm-hmm. You spar some camps spar almost every day, but that's, that's what we do. And then what we do during those sessions, what the boxing coach does with him during the boxing sessions, during the sparring, that is all, that all changes, you know, how many rounds he's doing, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Wicked. Yeah. And I think, I think that's really interesting. Like, you know, explaining that as much to, to, you know, the fans as possible is just giving people an understanding of the phases of that. Like, kind of like you were saying, like the, the mm-hmm. volume and intensity and how that scales closer to the fight kind of as you're a couple of weeks out, you know, you're getting into yeah. speed strength work, you know, it's it, exactly like keeping the reps really low mm-hmm. and moving it as quickly mm-hmm. as possible. For example, like said, lo- said load. Um, now, what uh, what do you do for you know your taper week? What is that? Like you're talking about the week before, like fight week. Okay, so Let's so fight, fight week, week, it's we just do really light work. We we do some we break some sweats, um, maybe light jogs. It depends on how the weight goes. If we're talking about him specifically, he doesn't really do a weight cut. I mean, like everybody, he's a very small light heavyweight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for other fighters, it's more skill work, and it is making sure you properly warm up because if you are dehydrated, you're at higher risk for other things happening. So mm-hmm. proper warm up for MMA, you're there doing striking, wrestling or jujitsu, whoever is there with you. Um, and it's just really light work. And that is really the training during fight week. It's the light work on the mitts, shadow boxing, and it's true tapering. The hard stuff, the hard training is done. Fight week is more interviews, it's photos, etc. And if you're needing to make weight, it's mm-hmm. making weight which everybody has to make weight, but some have to do more mm-hmm. than others. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, another question for you. Um, what sort of, who, who do you work in conjunction with, like in terms of your know, recovery? Do you have uh, an RMT that works with you guys, a, a physiotherapist that you work in conjunction with? How do you address the recovery um, with yourself? Is there someone that's part of your so, team? Yeah, so for, for people, he has a guy's name's Elia and he is, he, is a massage therapist and he's a doctor, all this stuff. So, um, he does massage and stretching. So almost every day, you know, he gets a massage or stretched or whatever it is. So that's, that is a huge addition. I mean, that's very, very beneficial most. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's different levels, you know what I mean? So most though up and comers like you, people will work a deal out with like a local massage therapist. And it's a lot of times it's the social media day and age. So like, you know, they, now they're working with a fighter. Mm-hmm. So, the fighter may get sponsored by them, but I am a huge Mm -hmm. advocate. I don't have one specific person for everybody else, but if somebody can find a massage therapist that either 
it would be great if they could just pay them, mm-hmm. but if not work out some sort of deal with them, because that's so important. It's so important to let your body recover, even if it's just like one time a week, you know, but minimum one time a week. Other mm-hmm. than that, the only thing that really helps recovery is making sure you're hydrated and time. Epsom salt baths I found are great. Um, the mm-hmm. ice baths take away some little bit of inflammation. It just feels really good. Um, as far as the science mm-hmm. goes behind it, yeah. I don't know when, when people talk about like, well, it's the science. I'm like, have you tried it? And they say, yes. And did you feel good after they say, yes, it fucking worked. You know what I mean? Or like, I didn't feel anything. Well, it didn't yeah. work for you. You know, it's like acupuncture, like people swear by it. Science is where, so it's, it's finding what works for the person. So there is no like one right way. I think mm-hmm. when people get locked into that one right way, they get stuck. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I, I like that point too about yes, the science that is super important. And, and, you know, everyone seems to be like hot on that, you know, like all oh, the signs, the signs. I'm like, mm-hmm. did it yeah. make you feel good? You did it like, it, or, or, or throw it. If, if it's scientifically proven and it didn't make you feel yeah. good, throw it out. The that, yeah, that's what I'm like, saying. It can, it can <laughs> like, go both ways. You know, I, I mean, obviously like, you need to have the science behind it. Yeah. I mean, obviously you have to train smart. And yes. nowadays anybody that's in the world has a basic knowledge. Like as a coach, like I need to have more knowledge, yes. but at the end of the day also, it just needs to be understood by the fighter. I, I'm a big advocate of the fighter knowing why I'm having them do what we're doing. Because if you know why, and that's anything like, mm-hmm. if you know why, why is he making me do this shit? It makes you do it better because you realize, oh, this is because I need to work on this, or this is going to help me do this, or whatever it may be. Yeah. So I've, I don't over-explain, but I keep it really simple. And Dima is one of those, he's one of those, like, mm-hmm. he likes to know what's going on. So making sure that making sure that yeah. they know why the why like it's if you're just and if you can't explain why a, then you shouldn't yeah. have somebody do it like if, if i'm gonna do like those band assisted jumps because they look cool on instagram and you have somebody doing it and the guy says why are we doing this and you're like i don't know you shouldn't fucking do it you know what i mean yeah i <laughs> totally well one it creates a deeper buy-in for the athlete so the athletes bought in because they have an understanding mm. of why it applies to them why is this important for me but then too, to your point, you know, you get a lot of these, you know, Instagram trainers or whatever. And the, <laughs> the follow-up question that everyone loves to use is explosive. Well, you yeah. know, it makes you explosive, explosive. I'm like, yeah, I, yeah, you're yeah. just saying yeah. that though. Yeah. Like, you don't know, like, you know, and that's okay. It's like, it's yeah. okay. Just stay in your lane. Like it's, and there's, there's a, there's a piece of this industry for everybody, I think. And then when you're working at the highest level, to your point, like taking, taking someone from, you know, top, yeah. 10% to top 5% is, yeah. is not by accident. Right. That's not just happening. You know, there's a whole system and team and you're right. Like what is the, what, what natural ability yeah. are the athletes born with? You know, are you, you, you got a freak that's been training like at a high level for 20 years. You're going to have it a little bit easier of a time than taking like gen pop right. to like the top 10% or whatever. That's, that's year, years and, and time and commitment. Um, And one thing that I think is really cool about you as well is, you're a Thank super you. motivational person. And that, that's really part of, you know, your your Instagram persona as well. Um, if you haven't followed Taylor by now, you should go follow him right now. We're 31 minutes in and I'm <laughs> insulted if you haven't gone to Thank follow you. this man on Instagram. Um, is you're, you're, very, you're very motivational. You're a very inspiring person. Where does that come from oh. in you? That like you bring that fire. You. So, you, you know, you I love that about you in the sense that you have the technical components mm. and like you know what you're fucking doing. It's tried, right. t- tested and true. But you also bring in a super motivational um, element, and and I'm wondering Man. if that you know just in, so, okay, in you or so something. First and foremost, like I've I've just always been an energetic person, and 
Um, I get asked that a lot. Like when I was at the the training facility that I met you at, there was a lot of other trainers there and it was, it was a great, great group of people. And I got asked on more than one occasion, like, how do you stay motivated every day? Like, what is it? Like kind of the same question you asked, like, what is it? Like, what is it? Like, what keeps you inspired? And finally, like I, I whittled down my answer to, because it's my job, like it's my job. I get paid to make sure. So there were days during that time, there was some stuff going on. Life was happening and I'm, I'm pretty open book transparent. There were days when I would be in my car, things going on. And I mean, literally in tears with stuff going on, like just stress, like stuff with, with family, kids, all this stuff. And I would literally visine in my eyes, who water like this, go kick the door. Like, let's go motherfuckers because it's my job. Now, Mm-hmm. What is it that that fuels that is because it's so rewarding to take somebody from like you're saying, even if it's just a gin pop person that is out of shape and you make them more healthy, you you increase the, you know, the quality of their life, whether it's their relationship, whether it's they can play with their kids again, their back doesn't hurt. I've done all that stuff. Now I'm more so working with people that have already had multiple trainers and they come to me. So then it's even more of a challenge to get them to that next level. So that's when it comes into mm-hmm. a lot of trainers know what they're doing, but how do you push to that next level? How do you get them to do that one extra rep or whatever it may be? And that's different from person to person because some people, some people need mm-hmm. complimented and like, you're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. Some people need to be told that they're, that they're messing up. Like you've got, you've got to find what clicks with each person. Mm-hmm. The only way you can do that is by really listening watching, being open to everything that you are studying with your client, assessing. People ask like, what test do I do? I assess every session from the start to the finish, no matter how many years I'm working with you, every session is assessed. So if you're truly doing that, you know how that person is feeling. You, for example, one day you might need me to push, 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 go, go, go. And another day it might, you might need to be like, Hey, like you're doing a really good job. You know, like you're going to do it. So it's being able to mm-hmm. read that where I find it. And there's no real story. I mean, I, I had, you know, a past or whatever, but it's, it's being able to see people happy and to be able to succeed and achieve their goals is the rewarding part of the job, you know? So if I don't mm-hmm. have that, that, that creates in me a happiness. And if I don't see that in others, then I don't, enjoy my job mm-hmm. and I could not love my job more. Like I just, I, I love what I do. So I don't really know mm-hmm. that I really answered the question because I don't have one thing that like keeps me inspired. I mean, my, my main why is my son, but that doesn't make me want to motivate somebody else to do an extra rep. That's just, that's just the job. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I, that's what I'm paid to do. That's what I'm there mm-hmm. to do. And that's what makes my job important. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the, the coaching world is super fulfilling. Um, if you let it, if you let it be, it's, it's got its yeah. challenges, like dealing with, with people and their things and their isms and their uh, value equations, like, especially in the gen pop, it's, it's a minefield of reasons why people are there. Some people are truly there to get better, get stronger. Like, you know, mm-hmm. girls coming to me being like, I want to do a pull up, like fucking great. Mm-hmm. Let's go, you yeah. know? And then some yeah. people are there for a chat. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Some people are there because it's the one hour of their day that they're not sitting at their desk and not engaging yeah. with, with their family. It's like for good or it's like it's them, it's them. And time, that's okay. Right? 
and that's, and, and that's okay. okay. Yeah, and that's okay. So it's, it's it's identifying, I think, what people's value equation is. Like, what what are the combinations? I love that. Yeah. Right. What are the combinations of three ingredients that this person needs from this session? Is it affirmation, um, a bit of motivation, and a sweaty T-shirt? Okay, mm-hmm. check. Right. And at the same time, I think if you're staying true to you know your knowledge and experience, and you are helping them be progressively better, then it, it's fulfilling in that way. Hundred um, percent. You know, and and so that 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 training world is a really interesting one to navigate, and you learn so much about people. And I I yeah. do think that some people are better at reading others than others. You know, like it's, absolutely, yeah, you know, yeah. To, to, to be to excel at per, like being personable is mm-hmm. a skill set in its own, and and some people right. have have varying degrees of that because that, that is a huge component of what we do. I you know I'm gonna I'm gonna let myself in that category as a coach. You know I'm not working yeah. with um, a world champion or anything, but it's like yeah 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 yeah. yeah. The, the ability yeah. to be personable is a skill set. You know it is a yeah. skill set, and it's one that's honed only through experience and also mm-hmm. like desire. You have to want to do that and get up and 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 you know pour water in your face when you're having a hard day yeah, and leave, leave yeah. your shit outside, walk through the door yep. and crack on. Yeah. Um, and, and that can know. be, that can be taught like in it. And it's one of those things that it's just like the power thing we were talking about. Like some people are just born being very personable, but if somebody wants to learn how to do that and they commit to that, they can, it's like, it's like someone, you know, that, you know, may have like autism or something like studying facial recognition to see how mm-hmm. people's moods are. Like you can learn that and that, that can be taught. Some have it easier than others, just mm-hmm. like with athletics, you yeah. know, and, and I think at the, at the top of the crop, you know, a lot of it, you know, you have people like say, Oh, it's just genetics. Well, genetics may get you to a certain level, but like once you're at that level, everybody there, like at this level mm-hmm. has a genetics. How do you get to here? You know what I mean? Like how do you get, and that's where all that comes into play. But same thing with like reading the room and all this, if somebody really commits to doing that, they can learn how to do it. Will they be the best? Maybe not, but maybe they'll be the best in something else. So this is just another attribute Mm -hmm. that they're able to add to it. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So in other words, if somebody is shy and they're they're they have trouble like doing that, like just stop that shit and just, just go do it. You know what I mean? And like, if you do it and you, you try to read your client and you mess up, there are a lot of people out there that need trainers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you will find yeah. somebody else and you'll trial and error, like trial and error, and you will learn how to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right at that, you know, get to a certain level where everyone's, let's call it, you know, the, the hard work over, over talent equation, you get to a certain yeah. level and everyone's talented, you know, yeah. and everyone's experienced and, and it, it really does become hard work. And that, and that looks like hard work is defined differently. It, it can be, yeah. you know, mental hard work. It can be physical hard work. It can just be, you know, a uh, relentless pursuit, like through trial and error, like it, it's defined differently. Um, what I'd love to uh, touch on before we go, I want to ask you more yeah. about Bivol and the, and the last camp and the Canela okay. buildup and all, all that sure. stuff people are really excited to hear about. Um, yeah. But for those who have not, so uh, the first time I met you, we were doing, it was the Operation Smile. It was a mm-hmm. white collar kind of charity boxing match. And I was in, uh, I was on the coaching team for uh, my mm-hmm. friend, Remy, Remy Franklin, shout out Remy Franklin. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, Remy. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> went to the muscle farm gym and I was like, I'm kidding. I'm living in LA. I'm living the dream. And I go to this gym and I'm like, Holy shit. Like where, <laughs> where did I, where did I just go? Like yeah. describe to us how you got there. 
and and okay. give the give the Canadian listeners a little description of the gym because we don't have anything like that here. Okay, that that gym <laughs> that was I mean the same thing when I walked into it I had the same the same reaction. So I had when I moved to LA I started training people quick quick John I started training people out of the place I lived. I grew up that got a small studio over by the Grove and Farmers Market for people. I got a small studio. Yeah, I grew it. Then I got an actual establishment that was like work for work in January to pay for February work because it was too expensive. I started that and then I outgrew that, got another one. Now the other one I was in, the next step was to go like big, like facility investors, all this stuff. And the way that I built it up was it wasn't set up to where it could be franchise and all this because like I was the gym. Like I had great trainers, amazing trainers, but it was just different when I wasn't there. It was really like Mm. me and you can't copy that. So we ended up selling the gym. When we sold the gym um, to an incredible trainer, and he's killing it now. Um, it's Nomad. You guys should check it out. But um, so we sold the gym, and then I just kind of hopped around at different spots in LA. One of my guys, Alan Joe Banos, UFC fighter, he told me, Hey, I ran into an old buddy of mine. I guess he has this facility in Burbank. And my response was, like, I don't want to go all the way to Burbank. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, you know what I mean? But we went one day, and it was literally the same. It was like one minute more from my place I lived to get to the muscle farm as it was to the gym I own. And I walked into that place and it was just like, whoa, you know? So I was sitting wow. there and I, and like, we were sitting there and a guy came over, Ryan Drexler is the owner of muscle farm. He came over and he was talking to Alan. We, we started talking a good guy. We visited, became fast friends. I didn't know it was his place. And I was like, so like, what's the story of this place? Like, well, actually this is that. And then from there, I started there. It was me, and the, before me, there was one other guy, Omar Bolden, who was a Super Bowl champion. He was there training with some of his guys, just super athletic. Uh, this place is crazy. They didn't have the turf yeah. down. They had nothing. So from there, so for the Canadian listeners or anybody else, this gym, I mean, it had hot rods, like trucks, basketball court, cage. It had um, it had everything. It had the equipment. It had the turf. Yeah. It had it was it was the coolest facility I've ever been. At. It was the coolest Period. facility I've, I've ever been to. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. hands, hands yeah. down. And a lot of it, too, was the energy. Like, the, the I mean, I could just riddle off all the names, but like the, the network name job that we name got, that we got. Well, well, just, I mean, well, as far as I won't do the clients, but like the, the trainers that were there, we had Omar Bolden, uh, Osamo J, we had John Gaines, Matt Blank, um, Amwala Caesar, who now is like Beachbody super all star. Like all these guys, and they're all very successful in their own route. There, there are many more than that. Uh, Michael Meyer, there are so many. And it was a whole bunch of chiefs or a whole bunch of chefs in one kitchen. And mm. we all, there was no, we all got along. We just had fun. So it was, that was the, the best part of it was the energy, the energy yeah. in that room. It was a cool spot, but after like, and it was cool for clients. Like if you have like a celebrity client or come in, it was very impressive. Yeah. Like, oh, wow. what's this? But the second session, like that's, it's no more. Now you're just working out. You know yeah. what I mean? So like to be there, so it was really the energy and that's, that's the best part from being there because they're still open. That, that facility closed, but I believe they're in Vegas. I just saw them go live. I mean, much love to them. They, they, huh. they helped us all out a lot to muscle farm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that was, I mean, the, the, the facility was phenomenal and that's when you guys came in and when you guys mm-hmm. came into the thing, that was kind of like a, one of those random like boot camp things. You know what I mean? That yeah. was kind of a, that was a sweaty t-shirt. Have a good time. Yeah. Workout. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 But it was, it was so great. It was cool. You know, and I, and I love what you said there too, is you can have, you know, the, the, here's, here's me just dropping a nugget, you know, yeah. like you can have the most beautiful, ridiculous, like insane Mecca facility, but without the meat of the people inside it and, and the, the let's say culture without yeah. the culture and atmosphere, 
you know, that, that, that shit fades, like wallpaper Mm -hmm. fades sort of thing. Right. And, and I've seen some, I mean, I'm comparing that to to Trinity too. Like I used to train Mm -hmm. out in in Trinity in LA, like shout out to them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, without Hino, um, and Hino would come to muscle farm occasionally too. So many people. Yeah. Right, you know, shout out Hino. It's like without his mm. me hearing his voice as I'm walking down the alley, like that was uh it was a hot tin roof in 98 degrees with sometimes yeah. like no running water. Like it was, yeah. it was, I mean, it was it's wicked. Like it's a wicked gym, but it's like not like the nicest. But yeah. you know, you get you'd get in there and there's you know I'd, he'd be with um Usher some some shit you yeah. know. But it was yeah. because of the the salt of the people that were there uh, yeah. that. You know, the toilets weren't working. All right, cool. No one cares. Right. You yeah. know, so it is really about the, the humans and what they contribute to the culture and the atmosphere that re- really, truly makes makes a place. Oh, right? 100%. Um, the, the rest, it, it was it was decoration and it was it was beautiful decoration. Like I said, it was a cool show mm-hmm. ever, but like anywhere you go, you don't need anything. Like people ask me because I do all virtual training. Unless mm-hmm. I'm in a camp or with a project, I do everything virtually. And people say, what equipment do I need? I'm like, well, whatever you have, we'll use. Because yeah. I see it like it's toys. Like they're fun. And it's good to have them because you can do more stuff. But you don't need anything. You need energy. You need proper programming. You need the motivation we talked about. Yeah. And you need to be. You need to want to do it. And if you don't really mm-hmm. want to do it, you need to be able to want to at least show up You know, on those days. So that, yeah. like you said, like it doesn't matter the facility. It was a really cool facility though. <laughs> it was super cool. Yeah. But no, yeah. And, and I think that's really interesting. Cause like, if we, if we kind of pause and unpack the COVID situation, you know, that affected mm-hmm. probably both of us quite, you know, similarly, mm-hmm. uh, that, that sort of initiated my move back to Canada. I thought, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm in LA. I'm going to die in LA now, you know, um, and did you launch your digital platform as a result of that shift? Yeah. So I immediately adapted and I started doing live classes and I literally just did it via Instagram and I had people um Venmo me or PayPal. I mean every if you don't have every single app to get paid, you should download them. Like you make it easier for people to pay. So I did that and it was a really small thing. It was just like a temporary deal because it was going to be two weeks or whatever it was in the mm-hmm. beginning, yeah. you know? So I yeah. did that and then I started training some of my my personal training clients because the time went longer. We're like, well let's just do this. And the pro there are pros and cons to everything, but the pros outweighed them so much outweighed the cons so much and now it's become such a a convenient and efficient and very successful way to get people to reach their goals all my current clients i don't train people in person anymore unless i'm traveling like for a fight camp or if there's a project or whatever like i'm in here i'm in town in la right now and i'm working with people but literally it's it's great. And I mean, there, there, like I said, there are pros and cons to everything. So that, I mean, that was yeah. two years ago and that's how I train everybody now. And it was all from the pandemic. I, I joke around. It's like, if I told my clients on Friday, so here's the deal. So on Monday, I'm actually not going to come to the gym. We're just going to FaceTime. They'd be like, what, what? no, you know what I mean? I know. What? Yeah. But since it became, yeah. it was necessary and then it became normal. We were able to see like, Hey, this actually works. You know, we, we were able mm-hmm. to actually give it a try and it does. It, it, I love it. It works great. That's interesting. Uh, you know, I, I struggled with it a little bit. Um, and I was interested to hear what your perspective was, because I think we have a similar, you know, personality and, mm-hmm. and a little bit of an energy. And I found it really hard not to be at first. It was cool and novel. Right. Mm-hmm. It was novel. And like, you know what? We're doing this thing despite the difficulties. Mm-hmm. We're rising above and making it happen. Mm-hmm. And 
mm-hmm. you know, you were, you knew you were making a huge impact in people's lives because they were stuck at home and they were miserable. Right. You know, mm-hmm. but as I went on, I'm like, man, like I really miss high fives and, and yeah. I want to, I want to, I want to fucking hug. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. It was, it was really hard. And, and I still, I still think that I, I personally, especially with a coach, I'm in the type of athlete that I want to be in front of my my yeah. coach. I want to be yeah. in the gym with my coach. I want to smell the smell of the turf, you know? Yeah. I want to. And so I, I did find that hard. And I was curious to see how the industry would evolve. And if it would, mm-hmm. as soon as the door is open, people would be like, well, fuck this Zoom thing. Like, we back, baby. And I was kind of right, yeah. interested. So I'm also really encouraged to hear that you've created a, a longevity to that platform that sort of transcended, you know, the yeah. opening phase. Because if this ever happens again, you're also you know you have a system in place already oh, yeah, and yeah. people see people see a huge amount of value of it from it and it's not for everybody you know what i mean it's not i mean i literally i haven't had i'll make sure i don't put my phone i don't believe i've had anybody that really truly was wanting to actually train um start and, and that's not a continue huge to testament to you well, that's a you. huge testament to you if you can if you can keep people engaged and motivated and also progressing like yeah. without the traditional setting that's yeah. a huge testament to, to you as a coach I think. thank you very, thank you very much and that's also with, with people that, that vibe differently too it's like i mean obviously like if i'm in your face and you mentioned air bike sprints like it's different but mm-hmm. i have people like is all i need is to be in their ear you know what i mean like mm-hmm. the, if you have it set up towards the speaker it doesn't work because if you're on the bike because i have people that have full gyms and then I have people mm-hmm. that tour with a band where they don't have any equipment or whatever it may be. But if you if I'm in your ear, we're good. Mm-hmm. We're good. And yeah. there are certain things yeah. like if you're, if you're if you're rehabbing something, a lot of the physical therapy, like the, the rehab exercises you can do. But if you need to be hands on, you need to go somebody that can be hands on. You know, if you need yeah. to, if you're not to a certain level to where like certain movements, you need to be able to have somebody. And actually, that's even against the rules. Like as a personal trainer, we're not supposed to touch. Like you're not supposed to touch. I my I'm all over you. Like mm. in an appropriate way, mm. but like, you know what I mean? Like have, mm. helping people move and doing stuff like manual resistance. I love, that's one of the things I miss mm. is like, mm. instead of having a machine or a weight, like I am the weight, like I'm holding your arm mm. and doing that. Can't do that virtually, mm. but there's so many things you can do virtually. Mm. Like you're going on vacation or a client is going to Paris for a month and they'd be gone. Well, mm. I'll see you on Monday. We just change times. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's mm. also the consistency stays there. So there, like I said, there are pros and cons to everything. I'm not going to sit here and say that it's, one is better than the other. I just am grateful and blessed to have the opportunity because the client's love and the the belief in me to be able to do both, you know? And I also okay. enjoy the virtual a lot too, because I still get to travel. Like I mean, we were in Uzbekistan yeah. for weeks then we were in California for six weeks and then we're in Vegas, like, because I get to do that too. But also while I'm in mm-hmm. fight camp, I'm also training all my other clients just like this, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I mean, not just yeah. like this, but virtually. So I, everybody yeah. stays consistent. That's wicked. Now, um, I know that I know all the boxing fans want to hear mm-hmm. about uh, how did you get connected with Dimitri Bivol? What was the how was because you you've been with him for a while, like you didn't mm-hmm. just start before the Canelo camp. So mm-hmm. I, I'd love I'd love for you to just kind of fill us in on that sort of journey. And mm-hmm. when that fight was, you know, first brought to the table and what that meant to you guys and what that still means to you for your career going yeah, forward. Absolutely. Um, so I first started working with Dimitri Bivol in, uh, it was like five years ago. Um, he was training with a colleague, Jordan. Um, Jordan was getting ready to tour with a, a band. And so he called, he knew I trained fighters. This was in, I guess, five years ago. It would have been 2017. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I've been, I've been training fighters at that time for like eight years. Um, so he reached out super cool. And, uh, 
we got connected. I started training Dimitri Bevel and his friend Sergey Kuzman at the same time. Um, and then from there, we just bonded and we formed a relationship and we've been kicking ass ever since. With Canelo, Canelo was the 10th fight that we worked together. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and, and, okay. like, and, and each, camp, each camp is just, like I said, we, we've grown each camp and we'll grow the next camp. But, I mean, we've, we've had 10 fights. We've traveled. We've been to Uzbekistan just recently for this camp. Um, the United Kingdom. I mean, we've we've been mm-hmm. we've been all over. It's been great. Now, in so 2017, I'm trying to think. Like yep. the first time I saw uh, Bivol fight, um, it was the first time I saw him fight in live. Was that MSG? Um, and it was the Sullivan Kovalev retired. Kovalev retired that night. I think and it was the was on, Sullivan Barrera fight, probably. I. I think it was. Yeah, no, so you would've been working with him at that time then. Yeah, that was our, one of the, the earlier MSG would have been our third or third or fourth fight, I think. A third maybe third fight. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. It was it was earlier on and that and Beevil scored a knockout a TKO in the last round, I think, of that fight. I think, it, I think I if I'm talking about being, the right fight. Yeah. I just remember being blown away. Like, you know, he has that um I want to I, I want to compare him a little bit to like Ustak, you know, he's constantly moving uh, and throwing on different angles. And I mean, he's a he's you know he's a he's he's small, smaller I guess than his weight class, but he is a he's a big guy and like to he's throw strong. four, five, six punch combinations yeah. at that weight class yeah. too. Like you don't see that uh, very often. And also his his movement was just amazing. I remember at that time being like. I'm gonna watch this guy and yeah. you know and you know fast forward here we are he uh he's just rocketed I think to to, an, to another level oh yeah I mean he woke um, up and, and, and I said this during camp in the interviews like it wasn't we weren't shocked at all and this isn't this is not this is just confidence and belief in in what we're doing it wasn't we knew we were gonna win 100 percent. I mean anything can happen in boxing or whatever and like we say like I said that and you can go back, like Ellie Segbeck, I reported that guy, like he interviewed me weeks before the fight. And like, I, I'm quoted saying like, people are saying like, you're going to shock the world. Like we're, we're not going to be shocked. Yeah. It's our job. And he is going to win the fight. And a lot of people in boxing that know people weren't as shocked either, but we also knew, and we discussed it beforehand that going into the fight, this one specifically, we had to win every single round. Because boxing is boxing. Mm-hmm. We knew we had to win every single round because there's a chance. I mean, Canelo's Canelo. And thank you. Nothing but respect to Canelo. Nothing but respect. The reason mm-hmm. why we're having this conversation is because Canelo mm-hmm. gave us that opportunity. He gave people that opportunity. Yes. You know, there are many other people he could have picked. He picked him. That's much yes. respect. You know what I mean? Because he knew. I mean, he knew who Bebo was. The only reason why it's such yeah. a betting odd stuff is nobody knew him. Bebo woke up on Sunday morning, though, a superstar, which is incredible because he's such, I mean, I love the guy. He's such a good guy, and he's earned this. Like, I'm so happy for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but we knew going into we had to win every single round, and in my opinion, we did. You know, and then it came back, well, like, 118, 115. So it was like when they read the scores back, even at the end, yeah. I was, we were, all of us were kind of like, oh, no. Like, they're going to, oh, you know? Like, ah. But we got it, well, and so that's and all that boxing, matters. It's boxing, too, right? Because you're like, okay, well, is this just going to be, like, a, a bit of a robbery? But, I, I mean, I watched the fight, and I'm, I'm a huge Canelo fan, and yeah. he didn't just win every uh, round. He won almost every exchange. Yeah, it was it was, like, it was great, and, and that was that's all beautiful. I mean, we, we all did our jobs leading up to it. We had him primed and ready to go. But like I said earlier on, yeah. it's like when, when we all sit down and the bell rings – it was up to him. He had to perform yeah. under all that pressure. And I, I, 
the people I work with, I love seeing that because it was, it was, it was truly like, I know it's a saying now, but it was, and I'm not doing it like the same, but it was really a movie, like going into this thing, like, cause yeah. it was all petty stuff with the contract. Like the whole thing was Canelo Bevel instead of Bevel Canelo. Uh, Canelo walked out second instead of, cause he was a challenger. So it was all like these little things, which is fine because it's Canelo. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like it's great. Yeah. I mean, and he's, he's earned all that stuff. Like we, all of us have nothing but respect for it, but like we're in the ring the lights are off. It wasn't a big show or whatever. And then he like comes out of the floors like Rocky four, but like everything was just different countries. Like he comes out of the floor, like fireworks, dancers, yeah. all this stuff. And, yeah. and that was the moment when I looked at people and I watched it. And I mean, I was in the ring. It's on, it's on the internet. Like I'm yelling at him, you know, like keeping him focused, you know, this is your fucking belt, all this stuff and keeping him going. But looking at him, I loved his expression because not a single person in that place outside of like, my wife, the manager's friend, and a couple other people were there supporting. It was all Canelo fans. I mean, Vegas was yeah. just all Canelo fans and maybe a couple people. But yeah. the lights are off, and, like, I'm watching him, and he's just looking around, like, you know, as opposed to looking around, like, in, like, oh, my gosh, so much pressure. I could see it in his face. He's looking, and he was excited, and his thought was, like, wow, so many people finally get a chance to see how good I am. You know what I mean? Like wow. that, it was just yeah. like, it was like, it, it, like it gives me goosebumps. Like legitimately, I love my job. I, I literally, like, just, and, I and, and, right that was, and that was it. And it was just like, and, and us like talking to him in the moment, like helping him get there. But at the same time, like it's him, you know what I mean? Like he's yeah. the one doing it. He's the one that's going to be on the, the, the world screen, you know, and all this stuff. Yeah. And man, it was just out the gate. He just, he, we all did our job. And like I said, at the end of the day, it was up to him and he performed immaculately. And it was it was incredible. It was, it was, and at the same time as Canelo. So all the way through we were winning, but it's boxing, you know, like, mm -hmm. it, I don't know. It was, it was just great. But seeing his, his face in, cause like I said, you, you read your people and you know, your people and like, we're like brothers at this point. We spent a lot of time together. He's like my little brother. And I saw that expression and that's when I knew like, Oh, but I knew it was his, but okay. right then I'm like, Oh yeah. man, because it was an excitement. It wasn't, yeah. it was that whole pure, like in the zone thing, like looking around, everybody like booed him and all this stuff. And then also the movie part, it started out roaring for Canelo, roaring for Canelo. And then it got real quiet. Mm. And we talked about this after the fight. We were in, in the hotel room after, and he's like, man, I can't, like, the fighters hear stuff. And it got really, really, yeah. it got really quiet. And that's whenever we knew, like, that's when he knew, like, oh, I'm really, <laughs> like, I'm sure, like, everybody's got yeah. quiet. But then, to respect to the fans, then you started, like, hearing, like, a few people, like, it started turning, it, it yeah. wasn't exactly a movie, like, people were on their hands cheering for me at the end, but there were a yes. few. There are a few people like he definitely won some people over, and that was also like oh without a doubt oh yeah big time big time without a doubt. And then in the elevator, like I took all I wasn't in the people gear, but I was in the elevator and it was all Canelo people and like one of them recognized me or whatever, and they said hey congratulations. So I was just kind of like standing there, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? And I was like hey thank you so much, and also like thank you guys. Like you guys are great fans. You guys made like mm -hmm. you guys made this fight what it was, and Canelo's your mm -hmm. hero, and he should still be your hero. He lost a fight. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. and nothing but respect to him. And the reason why it was such a big fight is because Canelo was there. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. his stock didn't go down. He's fighting Triple G. You know what I mean? He's still driving Bugattis mm -hmm. and all this stuff. But what happened was mm -hmm. people got to see exactly what Bebel has been wanting. People got to see how skilled of a boxer Bebel is and what great condition he's in mm -hmm. and that he is definitely going to be a name that many many people are going to know and that's we wanted a big fight because now we keep getting big fights exactly uh, i was brilliant i mean that was one of the first things that went through my head you know i think by about like the 
I think it was the fifth or sixth round. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I just, I just said to myself, I was like, damn, Taylor, he's in great shape. <laughs> Thank you. Like, I don't even think he opened his mouth to breathe. Yeah, no, he was, he was ready to go. He was ready to go. And there, there's, he was there's absolutely, a, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a video and he's just, he's just a good energy. And like, we go into the, the, the backstage or whatever, and somebody asks him like, how are you feeling? He's just, I'm ready. Like, you know what I mean? Just like, and not like too chill, like I've been talking about, but like, cause mm-hmm. when the, mm-hmm. when the flip, when he switches that, when he flips that switch, like really friendly guy mm-hmm. and all that. But like, I, I don't, I say this on HBO. I don't want to be on the other end of his punches. You know what I mean? Like you're a real nice yeah. guy, but I don't want to fight you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and it's good because he's yeah. somebody that people can look up to. If you haven't watched it, the post fight press conference, the post fight press conference, mm. nothing but respectful to the opponent. He literally dedicated the the win to like kids in small towns have big dreams that like want to do this stuff. Mm. I mean, and it's all genuine. He people wanted mm. him to talk smack because that was the thing that people like kind of downplay. Oh, you don't talk enough. You don't you don't sell it. You don't you don't talk enough trash. He doesn't talk trash. Like he mm. does his talking in the ring, mm. and he didn't change. Mm. He didn't change who he was this entire time. We had a lot of fun people from like different companies come like fun social media pages to do interviews. And they tried to get him to say stuff and he would just mm-hmm. lie and he would answer like funny, but never, never disrespectful. I mean, mm-hmm. the dis- the disrespect is done in the ring whenever you don't give anybody anything they want. Well, he didn't need to, right. he, he, he beat Canelo Alvarez. Yes. He didn't need to say anything. The fight spoke for itself yeah. and his, um, and I remember the, like, again, I'll say the first time I saw him fight, I was like, this kid is, special like he's he you know what he does he, he he's a textbook on like he boxes beautifully mm. and he's got the right blend of aggression but he's so technical yeah. his footwork his his range management yeah um you don't need to talk trash when no. you're that good and it's different you know it's, I mean? it's different and what he's excited too is that people get to see his style of boxing because it's different it's yeah. not worth like his coach yeah. Gennady Mashinov did like it's like old soviet school boxing that he was at the olympics and all this stuff and like it's what they do is he's always, you said he's always moving. Like a lot of times, like mm. really orthodox boxing is like you get into position and then you like throw a punch or whatever it is. It's like his arm, mm. he's always moving. And you could argue that both ways, but you've seen it. It's just different. And what that mm. means is that mm-hmm. I have to make sure that he can always move for 36 minutes, you know, if it's going 12 rounds. Yeah. And that was, that's why I was so excited because I knew the condition he was in. And that was the thing. Me and the manager talked beforehand. And we're like, listen, like it's going to come down. Like he's got the skills, you know, and that's, that's what wins boxing is you have to be a really good boxer to box. Right. Yeah. But if you have, if, if you're fatigued, skills go out the window, you know what I mean? Like if you can't keep yeah. your hands up or whatever. So it was the, the goal was to make sure that every single round he was at a hundred percent. So he could showcase how incredible he is at boxing. And that's what happened. So yeah. it was great. Yeah, it was brilliant. And I mean, yeah, huge, huge congratulations to to your Thank team you. uh, and to all your hard work. And 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 also, like, I think it's very apparent, like what type of what type of human he is. He seems like a, a genuinely yeah. like lovely individual who's about the sport um, and who puts in a lot of hard work. And like you said, you know, maybe maybe his story is is the reason why he dedicates it to kids in small towns with big dreams. It's, you know, that maybe that's his yeah, story. Exactly, um, yeah, yeah. You know, that's, that's a little bit of all of our yeah. stories, I think, you know, in, in, in some ways and well, at least the stories that I want to hear. And if people know, don't believe in you too, always believe in yourself. And that was the thing he said in the posting is like, you mm-hmm. always had to believe in yourself. Nobody, nobody saw us winning that fight. I mean, everybody except for mm-hmm. us, you know, and as a team, we knew it, but at the end of the day, he had to believe in himself. 
if he didn't believe in himself yeah. for one split second, it's done. You know what I mean? Like he 100% were believed the, in himself. Yeah. Were there any, were there any like, you know, <laughs> dark moments or nights or like conversations that you guys had where he was like, coach, like I'm scared or I'm doubtful or anything that you had to manage like that? No, not at all. I mean, we, you know, we just talk about the fact that it's, there's no time to take rounds off. Like we're going to have to go like just the kind of plan, but that's just, we set that out in the beginning mm -hmm. and then we make it happen. I mean, other than that, like camp mm -hmm. is fun. It's a lot of hard work, but you have to enjoy it, you know, like go mm -hmm. to a food truck every Friday, like you have to enjoy it. So the conversations a lot of times aren't about the fight, you know, it's about other things like, mm -hmm. because if everything is the fight, the fight, the fight, then you get burnt out. And even then, as far as mm -hmm. like, you know, thinking about like, cause some people, and there's nothing wrong with this. If it works for somebody, it's great. But some people like visualize, visualize the fight for like weeks. Like who is mm -hmm. like Conor McGregor, like sees it all and stuff. And like, that was yeah, my he, next like he visualizes yeah. everything that is done, but it's not done until like right before the fight, maybe fight week or whatever you start doing it because you're doing that for six or seven weeks, you get burnt out. You're t by the time you get in there, you're tired, you know? And again, if that's yeah. what somebody has always done, then let them do that. You know, but for, for him, yeah. it's like, you know, people ask, are you visualizing? He's like, no, you know, like I'm trained, like we train, we <laughs> yeah. do our thing. And what we also do is we don't, we obviously have a plan and with sparring partners and things, they, they change, but it's, we need to establish our game plan and fight our fight. You know, it's not so worrying yeah. about what the other person is going to do, because if you are doing what you need to do, it's covered. You know, I mean, you always have to be ready mm -hmm. and obviously you study and you, you know, what's going on or different ideas, but you have the plan, you have to then execute the plan. And then the fighter then has to go into the ring and put it all together. Cause like I said, at the end of the day, yeah. I mean, that's why they're the superstar because they get in there and they put yeah. it all on the line. I yeah. do it. Yeah, absolutely. So what's next, uh, what's next for you? You know, what are you, what are you looking forward to? What, what big goals do you have? For, uh, yeah. For so, sure, well, right now, um, I've got two amateur Muay Thai fighters fighting on the 29th. So I'm looking forward to seeing them both win. Um, soon the WBA, WBA ordered a, a mandatory defense for people with Zerto or Mira. So that's all in negotiations. People ask me about it. I'm like, we don't, we won't know the business side of it. Like Vadim Kornilov is a yeah. great manager. He's doing all that stuff. Um, so eventually mm -hmm. we'll be in camp again. Um, and then all of my, my clients that are, you know, looking towards their goals, make sure they reach those. And then the other thing I'm doing is with the, the virtual training is I'm starting to do a thing where I want to have it to where I can reach more of the masses, but have that energy felt. So whether that is, you know, mm -hmm. corporations where they, you know, for their corporate wellness or whatever, have them come into a room. So I'm, I'm building stuff like that, but I've, I've always got like 30 ideas. Maybe one of them comes to fruition. I'm ADD yeah. like crazy. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> but my, my main goal is to have everybody I work with yeah. kick ass. Yeah, period. wicked. I love that. <laughs> uh, it's interesting you mentioned the Ramirez fight because um, I was I was just chatting with Julian Shua. I'm going to have him uh, on next week. Great so, guy. you know, yeah. yeah. Oh, Great lovely. Guy. I mean, honestly, those, those years in LA were so amazing for me to be able to um, connect with people like yourself. Mm -hmm. And, and then, you know, I mean, celebrate you and everything you've done in, in, on behalf yeah. of the coaching world and, and for the sport of boxing yeah. and, you know, just, I think what's really cool is, you know, and this applies to, to Chua too. I think what's really cool is like you were kind of saying before is S and C in its place in 
boxing and mixed martial arts has sort of become it's it's become more important and people are starting to take notice like you know back in the day the old was like you know thousand crunches and some weird fucking shit and it was like literally just go till you puke and the lids are off the garbage cans and you know it was kind of like just go hard for the sake of hard you know tons of road work and now people are starting to see the difference in in some of these athletes as we get more knowledge and there's more you know there's more um there's more talent out there and how are people getting to that next level and and snc is getting you know a lot more people are paying a lot more attention to like what's happening what people are doing and what yeah. really works and i think that's so cool so it's you know it's people like yourself that are are pioneering that shift of sort of like you know young young younger people in the industry like the kind of moving out of the old school but keeping keeping some of that nostalgia but bringing in some of the new school and some mm. of that education and i think that's amazing it'll be really interesting to see you know, how, how we can impact human performance going forward in, in combat sport and, yeah. you know, and, and, and Shua, like, yeah. again, yeah, he's like new school, right. You know, like that, that mm-hmm. the old school boxing coaches are sort of, you know, making way for, for younger guys with newer methods and, and things like that. And I think that's, yeah. And that's, and that's, what's cool too, is that like, it used to be, you know, whenever I first started, it was like, you're like, well, I've had, like I said earlier, like 10 world champions and everybody's strength and conditioning coach. Well, Think about how good they like they would have been had they yeah. had one. Like nobody did. So now, if you don't do it, I mean, and there are some coaches that mm. do both. You know, what I mean, that's great. But an athlete needs to. They need to have both because it's also like you can't just do repetitive work over time because you're going to have damage, and it's also just going to mm. get dull. Because sometimes people will come to me and they've never done strength and conditioning. I'm like, have you ever sparred? Like, yeah. I'm like, were you out of breath? They're like, I was like, that's your mm-hmm. conditioning. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so it's all. It's all it's all a big mix to it, but the way it is is that we're able to put them in safe environments that they're able to replicate different movements, build their strength, build their power, velocity, mm-hmm. all this stuff, and yeah, and we see it. I mean, that's why athletes continue to rise, and they're just they're so incredible yeah, to watch. Absolutely, um, Taylor, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you, and I appreciate you making time time Thank for so me much. and the Empire Boxing uh, podcast. Likewise, and uh, I'm going to be. I don't know if it's going to coordinate, but I'm going to be in LA in September. So if you're around, let me know. We'll connect. Possibly, I'm I'm back and forth yeah. a little bit. So let me know. And I, it is an honor. Thank you so very much. I greatly appreciate. No, it's so and cool. I really wanted. I really wanted people to to meet you and chat with you and hear your story. I feel like I could. I feel like I could talk to you for like two hours and unpack every every aspect of. <laughs> Mr. Ramsdale and his journey. So maybe we'll have you back on the podcast. Yeah, that'd be Thank great. You. And, and, and Thank you. Very, yeah, and I, look, I looked at the times, like uh, the time we've been talking and literally I looked real quick to see how long your podcasts are. I saw a couple episodes were like an hour and I was going to be honest, like, fuck. Like, we're going to talk for an hour? Like, literally, like, we could talk for another hour. Let's do it. Let's do it. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm like, what am I going to talk about for an hour? I don't know. I get people spitting. I don't know what it is or how, but I got it. I got it happening. Mr. Hoff is on. Mr. Hoff is on here, too. But anyways, I really, I think you're such an important, I think you're such an important figure in the industry. And I think what you're accomplishing is amazing. And I also know how many B-Ball fans have, like, even in just my circle, everyone's talking about him now. And I remember, I remember seeing him, I think 2017 and, and now where you guys are and knowing the connection with, you know, how you've developed him as an athlete and every, you know, your journey as a coach, I just think it's a super important story Thank to be you. told. And, and I think everyone's got to keep an eye on, on you and, and what you're doing. Cause it always yeah. seems to be something. I greatly appreciate that. I greatly appreciate that. And like, and, and like I said, Dimitri Beeble is somebody that if you have kids, they can look up to, he's a great champion. He should, I mean, I'm, a, I'm his coach, but I'm a yeah. fan. And so many people should be. And they're also remember that nobody knew many people did, but so many more people knew who he was after he beat Canelo. So don't forget 
all the other people. Like there's so many, if you follow Instagram, I have so many other people that are coming yeah. up, you know what I mean? Be their fans, support, support the small guys too, because that's how they get to that level. Definitely. You know what I mean? I've got George Garcia, he had so many of these people. So, but yeah, definitely, definitely. If you haven't seen Bebo fight yet, watch him and then watch all the other guys too on the local level. Go buy local tickets. Go support the fight game. Um, we uh, we just we lost you there for a second just with your connection. Sorry, repeat what you just said. Okay, can you? No, I was no, I was just saying that. Yes, we the be a fan. Bebo yeah. is somebody that's great to look at, but also support your yeah. local fights. Go buy tickets to the local fights. Go watch the local guys because they all start down there and they all build up, and so that's where that's where they're growing and and that's where the support is really really felt by buying a ticket because we go to msg we all we we i appreciate the support from every single person but if that 19 year old has his first fight and there's an extra family there awesome yeah. so definitely tune into people's next fight it'll be blasted everywhere appreciate the support and also check out all yeah absolutely you know couldn't i couldn't agree more and you know that's that's where we you know we are as promoters like we we want people to support these young athletes and you know part of changing the face of canadian boxing and and elevating it is also going to be connecting with athletes in from america you know that's that's our our closest mm -hmm. biggest pool to get good sparring and good talent up into canada because we've got we've got guys up here who um like uh benit uh Bizla, uh he was just the main event on on our our card just last saturday and you know his mm -hmm. one of his dreams would be to spar with you know, Dimitri Bivol, of course, but we're finding a hard time getting, you know, just local Canadian talent to, to, to fight these guys and to make these matches and, and to elevate yeah. their career. So I think, you know, that's the next step for, for guys like that is to, you know, be able to experience athletes in the American pool and the Mexican pool and things like that. So, you know, yeah, we've got, we've Absolutely. got our work cut out for it, but we're game. We're game as fuck, right, Matt? Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. I, I got a bunch of questions about that, but we'll get off. But like, that's amazing that you're doing that. So Empire Boxing, what is it? Is it's Empire? It's not Empire. It's Empire. Empire boxing. Empire boxing promotions. I knew there was another word. No, that's that's incredible. The more good people that we can get out there promoting this sport in a in a mm -hmm. good way, the better. The the more the more champions that we haven't even met yet will become yeah. champions. You know, yeah, that's absolutely. great. So my last my last question for you is before y'all before y'all yeah. get too famous, y'all just uh, put in a good word. So uh, maybe Bivol wants to come on the podcast one day. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let him know. I'll, let, I'll see him tomorrow. I'll let him know the like, podcast, and, they, and you guys are his fan. Be like, yo, <laughs> you know, and like, well, I, I think we'd end up blowing some minds. But, um, anyways, putting a good word for for old old. I, I absolutely, Jay over I will here. absolutely put in a good word. I cool. <laughs> and a, we can't hear you, Matt. You're muted. No, you got come <laughs> You got to come here. He's like the Wizard of Oz. He's the man behind the curtain. Anyways, I, yeah, I know. Matt, can oh, you, I'm gonna. Oh, there we go. I'm gonna let Taylor go if you, unless you got a good question for him. Still nothing. It's still nothing. Okay. Well, Taylor, either. either <laughs> it's all way. good. All good. All good. All good. Again, I can't thank you enough for your time, and uh, it was it was super meaningful to have you on the podcast. And I wish you all the best uh, traveling home to your family in Missouri, and we will definitely have to have you back uh, very soon. I'd love to. Thank you so very much. I greatly appreciate it. Awesome. Have a good one. Okay, take care. See you guys. See you. Bye-bye. That was another episode of Empire Boxing's podcast with none other than Taylor Ramsell. Go follow his career because he is a very, uh, I think he's a very cool, up-and-coming and important figure in um, in, in boxing. Um, and and not, not just that, but the athletes he's working with. And I guess we'll see... Uh, you know, Ramirez and, and Bivol very soon. So we'll have lots to chat about with that. I am your host, Coach Jay, and we will see you next time.
Make sure to listen, follow, and subscribe to Empire Boxing on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube.